Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to our review of The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, and The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 14. We've got two really awesome episodes to talk about this week. We're going to dive into them full spoilers. Before we do so, though, make sure you're hitting that like button and you're subscribing to the channel. Down below, you're going to continue to get Mandalorian and Bad Batch content. We will be covering both the finale of The Bad Batch next week, as well as the continuing second half of The Mandalorian Season 3. Make sure you're commenting below also and letting us know what you thought of these two episodes okay so let's dive in right straight to the episode uh this, these two episodes so the bad batch and the mandalorian for probably the first time ever were like pretty much the same exact length this week both were about 26 27 minutes long and in the mandalorian's case because we're going to touch on that first this was a very short but sweet episode there are a lot of great surprises all the way down from Grogu training with the Mandalorians to a flashback, another flashback to Order 66, getting to see Grogu escape the temple with Ahmed Best's character, Kelleran Beck, the character from the game show. I mean, so many awesome things brought into this. And then Bo-Katan and some awesome action scenes. Man, so much to cover, Cynic, but what stood out to you the most when we're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, The Foundling? I think for me, this was... An episode that easily could have felt like filler. But this could have been an episode that you just been like, all right, let's just show off the covert. Let's just build up a little bit more of the characters. And we do do that, but it felt like there was a purpose there. And the purpose was shown through just them training and obviously Ragnar getting picked up by the flying beast. And I mean, we found out that Paz Vizsla, it was kind of hinted with the cinematography in the first episode that Paz Vizsla and him have a connection now it's like, he's my son. And it's an episode that definitely like sets up the integrity, just the full commitment of the children of the watch is like so alluring to Din that he's even willing to like deal with all this, like almost like hypocrisy, almost outdated ideals, cultish tendencies. And Bo-Katan is like, oh, I can kind of see it now. And she's, she's fitting in. Her story fit in quite well, nicely there. And we really build off a lot of what happened with her. And... Second episode, I liked a lot of that payoff there too, where she's now fully integrating herself into the clan, but now she's dealing with what it really means to be a Mandalorian with all these other people, comparing her experiences to what they're like missing out because they're they're supposedly dealing with much older principles and values and training and techniques. Yeah, so all, all that Mandalorian stuff, it is presented in a very simple and very fast just rescue story. But all the stuff that we've been working on since the season premiere, all those storylines have really connected well here. I'd say only Din has like a little bit of a like a backseat in this episode. And that's fine because he doesn't have to be the star all the time. His action speaks for itself. I mean, he has some pretty cool sequences there. And that's more than enough. But having all these supporting characters as they're kind of coalescing together... I thought that was really cool. Now I just have to jump in order 66 stuff. That stuff was incredible. Kelrin Beck, just seeing, it seems like everything here was CGI. I don't think there were real troopers here. I think some shots with the speeder sequences and all that, it just, because of how quickly we're whipping around, the volume seemed to tighten up in some shots more so than I expected. And this has been a whole season of them just throwing money on the screen. Like visually, it's been incredible. So if this is the first time I noticed it, if it happened at Coruscant, that's, of, of all locations, that makes sense. I'm fine with that. But now we've got the huge things of the Naboo, like, royal forces are 
using the Amidala ship from episode two, and they're tr- taking uh, giving Kelvin the chance to escape uh, with Grogu on the ship, and then that's where it ends there. And it's like, what? Like that? That's insane. And on top of that, Bo-Katan just straight up tells Armor, "I've seen the Mythosaur," and she's like great your children of the watch slap this on like sure that's what happens when you fall in the way it's like okay and it's a lot it's you don't really take a minute to breathe in this episode i need to rewatch it again because i really liked it but it is it's just you're 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 hit with a lot of stuff no for sure this is like pounding you with information and with excitement from start to finish it's the complete opposite of last week and we really liked last week's episode for what it was there was a lot of great information about the new republic there's a lot of intrigue for the furthering of the main villain plot that we still don't really know what it is but this one was like the <laughs> what everybody's complaint was last week this one was the thing that people were missing this was the action this was the non-stop mandalorian stuff more grogu this is the most grogu we've gotten all season for sure and and there's wonderful stuff all the way from i i laughed a lot at the beginning with his little training sequence with Ragnar, he's just, he's doing flips and shooting the wrist, wrist rocket paintballs. And like, that was really, really fun. This episode had a really nice time and a really good sense of what makes the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. This felt very classically Mandalorian, like a season one episode, like a season two episode. It really goes for the heart of the show, which is the fun of Grogu, but with the stakes and the history of what Mandalore means and what the Jedi mean, and how all this connects. I thought it was really wonderfully done. Carl Weathers does a great job directing it. And again, the cinematography here is fantastic, but the CGI is still flooring me for the Mandalorian sequences. I I agree that some of the the Coruscant scenes in the speeder bike chase do feel a bit like we're on a green screen for sure, and or you know right in front of a volume wall. But for the most part, every single action scene that featured Mandalorians is just like it's the crate dragon sequence in the first episode of season two. But every single episode, we're getting stuff like that. We're getting these awesome ship battles. We're getting these awesome jetpack fights. Like the when Din is taking down this, uh, what do they call it, a raptor? When he takes down this raptor, the quickness of the shots, it's not slow. I think that's the thing to me that the volume often does for some of these scenes is they make them slow and i felt like that a little bit with the first episode of season three when we have that fight with that like alligator thing all of that felt very classically volume because it all took place in a little circle they didn't really move around much they kind of all surround it in a half circle and shoot and there's a lot of standing this episode there was so much speed you really got a sense of what it's like to watch Mandalorians fight with jetpacks in live action. It's, I think it's the first time we've really seen that since maybe Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. And we get to see Bo-Katan further get into the Children of the Watch. We talked about in our predictions, we're going to see her do things that elevates her in the status. But I did not expect her to reveal the Mythosaur in this episode. Like, I, I thought that was a surprise for sure. And it was even a bigger surprise the way the armor reacts, which is, is so nonchalantly. And she's like, yeah, that happens. Is it a big deal? Does she just not believe her? I guess we'll get into that in predictions. And the Order 66 scene was so cool. And I just, I love, this was an episode co-written by Dave Filoni. So we get things like Keller and Beck. We get these references and all the type canon always is when Dave is involved with the directing or the writing. I mean, I loved it. I thought this was such an awesome episode. And even though, you know, our review was relatively brief, I guess, compared to last week's of this episode, because there isn't that much 
in terms of like story to talk about, but this was just such a fun, nice change of pace from last week. I think they both complement each other super well. But let's talk about the Bad Batch because it was also an excellent week for the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch had its penultimate week before the two-part finale next week. And we got the episode, episode 14, Tipping Point. We speculated a lot about what Tipping Point could mean. And we saw a lot of really cool things in this episode. And finally, for the first time this season, we got all of our characters in the same episode. We got Bad Batch. We got Echo and Rex's plot. We got Crosshair. We got Tantus. We got all of those things building up to this big finale. And I cannot wait to see where it goes. But Cynic, what did you think of episode 14, Tipping Point? Well, I also want to add, we got the Bad Batch once again doubling down on, yeah, we're reconsidering our position with Sid. And that was something that we talked about. Is this like something Sid would like mount something or like rat them out? I guess they don't necessarily reveal their location to Sid at, at any point. Just kept everything focused on the things we actually really enjoy about the Bad Batch. This was an episode where I felt for the first time in a while, all of our speculation was really like pretty close to the mark. And like, like let's just break it down here. We had Echo returning with Gregor, which is awesome. Then we had Hauser, which is like the cherry on top of like, oh, wow, he's back. He's one of the clones being rescued. We got to see some other clones, some guy named like Fireball and all that. And and on top of that, we got to see our everyone's favorite senator, Rio Chuchi, has reappeared here. And she's not just like saying, I'm going to help the clones. She really is. She's helping create a network. It's not just a ragtag strike when you can and run and gun. She's definitely the ones helping with the insider clones. She's definitely protecting some of them. She's definitely storing them away, getting them underground, like, like mentioned. All the things that we thought were happening happen and more and that's what i really liked about this is that they it was also another quick episode there's a lot of stuff here compared to mandalorian but it managed it quite well so all that stuff there with the clones was awesome and then echo coming back and we got to see a little bit more of the bad batch just living i like seeing wrecker happy i like seeing omega still be a kid and she got training with tech tech has he had the most like expression on his face and dialogue. Like he's like, yeah, you know that maneuver, and she's like, oh, the tech maneuver, the tech turn. And he's like, I'm gonna ignore that you said that, but at the same time, yes, I would not mind that. And then Omega's getting lessons and all that. It, like all that was fun to see the Bad Batch breathe a little bit instead of just missions and bounties and just having their whole life collapse like every four episodes the imperial stuff on mount tantus that's especially after we've just recorded our air to the empire review coming out i mean I'm, I'm already in that mindset seeing the doctor he's fully villainized here now he's just going in we got a lot of the pro droid injections crosser giving a warning after escaping and the doctor also had an appearance from tarkin so it's clearly he's trying to do things to the clones like we said mutations or something to make them functional the way that the empire wants them instead of just retiring them and tarkin's like all right just tell us about it at the summit and so many cameos so many cool moments here all the great storylines we wanted plus more I, this was one of my favorites of all the episodes of the bad batch yeah definitely for sure it's 
I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite episode of the whole season, but this is the best that the Bad Batch can possibly be this season. It brought in every single plot point. It felt like the most rewarding episode we've gotten so far in season two. When you're seeing sequences like Tech teaching Omega how to fly, we have Echo, who's now finally we're getting to see what his missions are looking like that he's doing with Rex, the way their network is working, the way they're able to rescue clones and continue to push on the Empire and try to figure out where Wayland is, where Mount Tantus is, where is this advanced science division that they keep talking about? We also got so much more from Dr. Royce. Hemlock is like easily becoming one of my favorite Star Wars bad guys because he is just so perfectly like evil and manipulated. But I love that those like understated villains, those guys that you know just have like a such a bad like evil side that's going to explode any second, but they're so scary, they're so quiet. And you just don't know when this guy's going to snap. I love the beginning of this episode as well. Uh, bringing back Gregor was awesome. Hauser, Fireball, so many references too. Like I wrote down Balmora was referenced, which is in, in the beginning of Dark Empire 2. It's the planet they have the big battle on. And I can't wait to see what the summit is, what we're going to learn about next episode and how this season ends. Because we're really kind of just jumping into the conflict pretty quickly here. For the Bad Batch, they've been out of the conflict the entire season <laughs> their biggest involvement in the conflict was a mission that they were hired to do by rex i want to see why the bad batch would bite on crosshair's plan and ultimately how we're going to see the entirety of the finale unravel but we'll talk about that in our predictions video that will be coming out sunday make sure you check out our mandalorian season three episode five predictions that will be out on friday that's going to wrap it up for our review here of The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, The Foundling, and The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 14, Tipping Point. Hopefully you guys like this, these episodes too. Make sure you're commenting below and letting us know if you like them. Of course, liking the video as well and subscribing to our channel for more Mandalorian and Bad Batch coverage. We'll be back next week talking about all of these things. Make sure you're tuning in with us. We are beginning our next poll starting tomorrow on Thursday. We're beginning our Star Wars video games bracket. Make sure you're voting in that as well. Once we get through the play-in, we'll put out the brackets for you guys to send in to us for the next bracket video. We're also continuing our coverage of Jedi Fallen Order, live streaming that every single week and answering your questions. So make sure you're tuning into those every Friday and also checking out all of our other content. Sonic mentioned it earlier. We have our review of Heir to the Empire, our long-awaited Legends Book Club review coming out next Monday. It's going to tie in heavily with the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian, so make sure you're checking that out if you're interested in how all these things are going to collide. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.